Mail's here. It's two minutes later than yesterday. And because you know it's six minutes earlier than the day before, you decided it was time to get back to work. Let's job it up. At CareerBuilder, we're ready to help at every stage of your search. Build a resume, get industry tips and advice, and apply to multiple jobs in just one click. Get started now at CareerBuilder.com. Welcome to the Kingdom Community Podcast. Many in the body of Christ long for authentic community and a spiritual family to belong to. We exist to connect, equip, and send you into the world to fulfill your destiny and advance the kingdom of God on earth. Now, enjoy today's show. Hey everybody, Glenn Blakeney here. Welcome to Kingdom Community. I'm so glad that you guys have joined us. I'm telling you, we have an amazing broadcast plan for you tonight. We're going to be talking about the prophetic uh, on the prophetic in terms of how it relates to the season that we live in. You know, the prophetic is so much more than just being able to encourage people with, with personal words of exhortation, comfort, and so on. The prophetic is also to help steer and navigate the church in the direction that God wants us to go. And I, I love the scripture. There's a particular scripture that is very dear to my heart. It's found in the book of Amos chapter seven. And often we've read this in, in uh, the New King James Version, for example. And it says this in, in the New Living. Just, just listen to this. It says, indeed, the sovereign Lord never does anything unless he reveals his plans to his servants, the prophets. So the sovereign Lord never does anything until he reveals his plans to his servants, the prophets. Another uh, verse that I want to show, it's First uh, Chronicles 12, 32, and it speaks of the sons of Issachar who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. So God gave them understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. You know, in the New Testament, it talks about the gift of the prophet clearly to perceive, to understand, and to utter forth the counsel of the Lord. But also there's a gift called the gift of leadership. It's found in uh, First Chronicle, I'm sorry, First Corinthians 12, 28, and then Romans 12, verse 8. It's called the gift of government in one place. Uh, in another place, it's called the gift of giving direction. The, and the interesting thing, particularly in first, in first Corinthians, the idea of the word in the original language is to be able to navigate or to steer a ship. And so as a ship would go through, you know, would, would go through these areas where there would be rocks and, and there would be very much a risk of, of uh, the boat just hitting these rocks and sabotaging, you know, there, you really needed to be a skilled admiral, someone who would be able to navigate and steer the ship. And we're living in a time, I believe, where God is revealing his secrets, as we see in Amos chapter three, verse seven. He wants us to be able to understand the way that we should go. What is his counsel? What is he saying to us so that we know the way that we're supposed to go, that we have direction, we have clear understanding, revelatory counsel that comes directly from God himself, not only to help other believers, but to be a voice to this generation. 
to be able to declare God's word and counsel. I love the prophet Elijah and even Elisha. Even Elisha, he heard the words of God, even what the king was saying in his bedroom chambers. The prophet Elijah had a clear understanding of that and how we need that prophetic counsel today to be able to share clearly you know, unmistakably that God is speaking and here is what he's saying. We see this in Joseph. Joseph knew how to prepare for the famine that was coming and, and what to do, Daniel and so on. We need this type of prophetic revelatory insight today more than ever before. And guys, my guest th this evening here in North America is David Balestri. David hails from the Sydney, Australia area. He's involved in the marketplace. He's involved in apostolic ministry and leadership as well as in the prophetic. And I'm really excited to hear from David tonight because he's going to be sharing some things that are critical for us to understand in this season in which we live. So guys, I'm going to welcome David. And why don't you just go ahead and leave some comments and welcome David as well. David, thank you for being with us on Kingdom Community tonight. We certainly are looking forward to hearing from you. Um, just before you share, though, would you just give a little bit of background in terms of your involvement in, in ministry in the marketplace and what you're actually sure. doing? Sure. Yeah, thank you. Uh, it's a great honor to be on with you tonight. And um, yeah, look, I, I love uh, every time we talk about these topics, I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, my background is uh, I actually straddle two different uh, expressions. Uh, I'm a businessman. I'm an entrepreneur. I run a consultancy company uh, that um, advises business people in both the open market and the Christian market. I, I say that um, intentionally. I don't yeah. never call it the secular market. Um, yeah. You know, let me just take a moment. The reason I don't call it the secular market is because I don't see the world through a sacred secular paradigm. Uh, secular means God void, and it just doesn't work with me. So, so that's one of my expressions. Uh, the other expression is I also am the marketplace pastor uh, in a uh, in a large multi-site church under my senior leaders, which are Mark and Darlene Check. The church is called Hope UC. So, here as the uh, marketplace pastor, there's about 150. 160 businesses, business people, business families that are within the context of our community. And uh, I, um, I'm, I mentor and pastor and lead them, of course. And then also within the church, uh, we also have a prophetic company. Uh, and that really is, um, we've identified those within the, uh, the context of our community, <clears throat> those that are operating in probably more a gift of prophecy or potentially an office of a prophet. And so I walk with them and uh, nurture them. And we've been, I've been mentoring that group for about three years. Um, my national expressions, I'm the national convener of a group, a coalition called the Australian Coalition of Apostolic Leaders. And uh, that's, a, that's a group of uh, senior ministers uh, from across the church and marketplace spectrum, by the way, that are pursuing apostolic uh, realities and apostolic manifestation, really exploring that. And then I also sit on the national leadership of the Australian Prophetic Council, which um, you know is a is a wonderful group that uh, of national recognised prophets here in Australia 
that are championing um, the growing prophetic reality, the dimension of the prophetic from a leadership perspective and a national perspective throughout the body of Christ here. So that's, wow. that's a bit about me. Wow. Yeah. So what do you do in your spare time? <laughs> <laughs> I play with my grandchild. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what I, what I really just caught on, latched on to what you just said was the fact that you're a part of a local church still in that yeah. expression, which, yeah. you know, when we, when we talk about the, just the, the reconfiguration of, of how God is moving and, and expressing and manifesting his kingdom, there are some who, feel that the local church is obsolete clearly you don't but mm. the the local church is also a morphing um let's yes. just talk about that a little bit and, sure, and sure. Lead into the topic tonight yeah there is without doubt a um a needed shift uh of of how we understand the local church and its place in the kingdom, and it has a place. I, I, I'm not a, I'm not someone that says we need to throw away uh, local community, local church, and we're all about you know ecclesia. And we, we are, we are all yeah. about that. And I, I think I think one of the the important things is that everybody needs to find family, a family where they can um, do life with, um, where they can feel very at home with. Our challenge has been that most believers uh, over the last you know, 100 years, has seen um, the local church as the dominant expression of the kingdom. And that is not true. Uh, it's been, it's like an overemphasis. And as a result of it, yeah. it has choked, it has choked ministry uh, to a great degree. It's caused us to operate in a silo, uh, in, a, in a religious silo, in a Sunday-centric silo, in a um, in a very even splintered silo within regions because all of a sudden we we looked at our regions through the lens of our local church only and, you know, didn't really understand for the most part that there's only one church. Uh, there's only one church anyway, but there's only, in, in any region, there is only one church. There's only one ecclesia, excuse right. me, in a, in a region. And uh, it may be made up of many different congregations, um, but but God doesn't look in a region and see 300 churches. He sees one. And there's been a lack of, because of a local church lens of senior pastors and saints, um, there has been a, a, a building that has been ineffective um, with regards to transformation, not transformation of the individuals, because right. the saints, you know, have done, uh, some of them have done so well. But when it comes to transformation of regions or even nations or mm. spheres outside of the religious box, right. um, we've not been effective. And it's been because of our model that uh, has limited, contained the kingdom. But thank God that is changing. And this season, i got to tell you, you know, is a prophetic season uh, in many ways uh, to accelerate that change because we we had to get some we had to get delivered of some of the things <laughs> that that we held tightly to. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, and you know we've we see that. I remember in the beginning of COVID, um, there were a lot yeah. of Facebook posts that said the church is out of the building, and, oh, and yeah. one day I just got really you know I just 
I was very naughty, David, but what I said was, no, I think the church is locked out of the building, you know, <laughs> and uh, we're, we're not out yet. We're, we're trying to get back in and people were, oh, we just got to get back to, you know, I can't uh -huh. wait to go back to oh, the way it was and to the normal yeah. and to what is norm and so on. But I believe mm -hmm. that what has been happening in terms of, as you said, that transformational aspect of kingdom, you know, over... Yeah. Jesus said in the Gospels, he only spoke of, of the church twice and the Ecclesia, but over 200 times he spoke of the kingdom. And it was the kingdom of God is like the kingdom of God. You know, he never talked about the church, really. The church is to help facilitate and advance the, the expression, the manifestation, demonstration of the kingdom. But where are we in terms of this? This massive, um, yeah. you know, just it is a transformation. And there are those who who are going back to holding tight to the way it was. And they want to just go back to that. But what is yeah. what is the Lord trying to do in, in terms of communicating to us his will and purpose? Yeah. I mean, isn't it one of the most outstanding seasons that this generation has ever experienced? You know, mm -hmm. um, uh, we, you would have to be, forget being prophetic, you just have to be blind to not see that there is something, uh, you know, unbelievably transitional happening. You know, uh, the prophets and the prophetic have been prophesying for oh, decades now, the new era, the new thing, you know, and I'm not quite sure what people expected <laughs> was going to happen. I'm not sure if people just thought, oh, it's just going to be, nice and sugar and spice and, um, you know, all major shifts into a new era, not just a new move, but a new era, um, always come with massive disruptions. I mean, ask, yeah. ask Martin Luther how, how easy that transition was. You know, yeah. ask, ask the early church how easy that transition was. Um, mm. You know, massive, massive shifts. There is, without doubt, a reset that is going on, um, and a reset towards. I, I think really, um, I think I think a number of things are happening prophetically. I think God, there's a there's a track of what God is doing in His church uh -huh. at the moment. The reset there, there is absolutely a reset going on with regards to geopolitics, the nations, economics. You know, I mean, you know, just I mean, without even prophetic eyes. Look at the sign of the times yeah. I, I, um, in the sense of even the economic systems are being shifted. Um, you see over the last 24 months, the massive surge of crypto and, and, yeah. and, and, you know, what that is going to, I mean, what that is going to look like, it's going to change some of the, uh, some of the face of, of, of money. I mean, that's massive. The, the political shifts that are going on, um, Huge, even Western nations. I mean, so we're not at this point. We haven't. We're not even having to see the things that aren't, you know. But yeah. but so you've got that going on. Then in the church, you've got a number of things going on. You've got the uh, the fivefold, the reality of the fivefold ministry coming forward as a as a leadership structure rather than the one man that, you know, usually is called a pastor or a priest or a bishop. Um, you, you've now got sort of fivefold realities and you've got um, mm. apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers and evangelists and 
their ministries are becoming quite defined. Um, and then you've got, and then as a result of that, which it must be, by the way, you've got, um, I think, a transition in the Saints mm. where we're, we're transitioning from just championing the thought of um, <clears throat> the priesthood of all believers, which is beautiful and is an ab- it absolutely is biblical, to understanding not just the priesthood but the kingship of the mm. saints. So I'm not just now talking about leaders in the church. I'm talking about the, the ministry of the saints in a kingship understanding. You know, we're a nation of kings and priests. It's interesting that whenever God um, speaks to his people, he puts our kingship before our priesthood. We've done it the other way. We've put priesthood and ignored kingship. And, uh, and, and, and we've, we've then discipled that way. Um, so I think, I think there are, you know, some massive, massive things going on. And anybody that's just going, uh, oh, well, we just need to hold out because it'll all go back to normal. Um, there's no going back to normal. And not only that, I think that there is prophetically, I think there is more disruption uh, coming. You know, we say, well, we've had disruption. We have. I think there is much more to come. I think we're in a decade of prophetically. I really believe we're in a decade of disruption. And um, hmm. so some people go, will church ever go back? Here's, here's the answer. It's a, the answer is yes and no. Um, okay. Yes, certain churches and certain movements will go back to what they knew once the dust settles, um, but they won't be pursue- following the Lord in doing that. That they're actually, it's just back into default religious positions. Sure. And to, in, in many degree, what they've done is they've wasted a crisis. I always yeah. say, don't waste a crisis. If you're going to go into a crisis, let God do his surgery so that you don't waste it. I think, I think some parts of the body of Christ are going to go back to former positions because they were already atrophied, sure. you know. Right. But, yeah. but the good news, the good news, is that what we're going to see is we're going to see forerunner expressions of ministry come forward, and it's not just going to be a very small remnant, but it's actually going to be a much larger group than, than traditionally a remnant. One of, my, one of my mentors is a guy called Dr. John Kelly. He's the head of the International Coalition of Apostolic Leaders, and he said something really profound. He said, um, mm. throughout the Bible, you see... Every time, uh, only the remnant throughout, from, from Old Testament to New Testament, only the remnant was able to track with what the Holy Spirit was doing out yeah. of revelation. Only the remnant was able to track out of the spirit of revelation. He said the, the, the majority of the church had to come into what God was doing through persecution. Mm. I, I, I absolutely believe that. And I think that that's what we're seeing now. Um, we're seeing, you know, that that shaking in the persecution to some degree. I think some of the persecution, to be truthful, in certain nations is overstated. Sure. <laughs> you know, what, what many are calling religious persecution, um, there, there's genuine, of course, tragic. Sure. But in, yeah. in, in, in Australia, if I can speak to this for just one second, yeah. I think many that are many that are shouting religious persecution, um, really, uh, that's a misrepresentation. We're not being dominantly religiously persecuted here. There, there's some overreach and all the rest. But um, yeah. you know, the church is in the same 
uh, in the same challenges as far as um, shutdowns or constrictions than yeah. as the local the local uh, right. community clubs are. So. Right. You know, that's not that's not coming after churches as such. Yeah. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I've been saying the same mm-hmm. thing. It's across the board. And and, you know, right. the, the fact is we are in a time where um, we, we don't want to squander what God has been doing and, right. and trying to do through us. And I mean, it's kind of like. Did you learn nothing? <laughs> I mean, you go through all this and you didn't learn a- anything. I mean, oh, you just gotta go back. And and I think about that often when we um, don't know a transition. Of course, is you're not where you used to be, but you're not yet where you right. need to be, and so you're kind of stuck in the middle. And and uh, it it feels like, well, how do we? Where do we go? And our natural tendency as human beings is to return to what's comfortable, familiar as default. Yeah. But um, when, but if we're going to change and we're going to really shift, as you said, not everyone is willing. And when I, I always think about the Babylonian captivity when we talk about this, because the remnant that returned that had a heart for Zion, which was God's agenda, mm. of course, was a very small remnant. There were many who were it yes. wasn't like Egypt where they were being persecuted in bondage. They were comfortable. They had businesses. They, they had families, yeah. and they had settled in in Babylon right. at that time. And and um, so you know in Persia. So here uh, there was just a remnant that returned, and I believe that. I believe we're in a yeah. season where God is extracting a remnant out of a remnant, and this remnant has ears to hear, and they they may not understand. Um, precisely what the Lord wants. But as we mentioned in the beginning of this program, the sons of Issachar, they were a remnant. Uh, And they were ones who did have understanding of the, of the things of the Lord so that they knew which way the whole of Israel should go. And so prophetically, I believe God is doing that. And, and you also mentioned that scripturally, Kings and priests. Now, that's biblical. It's not like this is something new. We're going back to God's plan, right? His His Mm -hmm. foundation. So, could you just would you just elaborate a little bit more? If somebody's tuning in and they're saying, "Well, what does David mean by kings and priests? What What's the distinction there? And how have we, as you said, kind of put the cart before the horse previously?" Sure. I think sometimes. the way to frame it is um, thinking of kings and priests as the functionality within our ministry as ambassadors for Christ. I think everybody everybody can be comfortable to go, well, yeah, okay, uh, ambassadors for Christ, we're ambassadors of reconciliation. Um, but the interesting thing there, I mean, we could go on so many rabbit holes because people go, well, yeah, we're ambassadors of reconciliation, right? And so you go, well, Okay, great. So what are we reconciling? Well, we're reconciling people back to God. Yes, we are. Uh, But you can't reconcile people back to God without reconciling them to the kingdom, (laughs) to to, to God's God's, um, uh, Edening of earth, right? Right. I mean, the the Apostle Paul, before he was converted as a a zealot, he wasn't just trying to kill Christians. He's as a zealot. His job, he's, he's what he felt his role was, was yeah. to restore the earth 
back to God's rule. That was that was that was his zealotry. Was that? And so he thought he thought that killing Christians who were a cult or were distracting from the plan of 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 God uh, of the earth being restored back to God's rule. Right. Uh-huh. When he has his when he has his his experience of God knocking him off the donkey, the revelation that he gets is that actually these Christians are part of or the extension now of God's plan of restoring the earth back to Himself, yeah. right? Including all of humanity and including all the systems. So right. then, what happens is this: we so we understand this ambassadorship. And what we, I, I think what we see, as a matter of fact, church history teaches us that the early church, and particularly for the first thousand years of the early church, we yeah. see the church not, not just building buildings. They, they had buildings. They had uh, different expressions. But actually, the church was deeply involved in the advancing of not just religious services, right. but education. Right. Business, medicine, science, right. all, uh, all of these were actually not the job of a state. They yeah. were the role of the church. Right. And um, even even when the Roman Empire falls, right? So the Roman Empire falls um, dramatically. Well, the end of the Roman Empire, you go AD 500, 600. At AD 600, you've got St. Patrick transforming the monasteries of Europe to become the learning and training centers yeah. for Europe of science and education. Um, the, the things that we right now default and say that is the job of the state right. yeah. was actually the role of the church, right? Yeah. Hospitals, right. the church, um, universities, the you know primitive universities, right. the church, or right. the church was functioning in its kingship ministry right. in the nations, it saw itself not just as religious custodians of services, mm-hmm. but as benefactors of all of human society and integrating and calibrating all of that into kingdom paradigms. Yeah. I think, Glenn, that that is, to be truthful, since the Enlightenment, since about probably AD 17, mm-hmm. oh, the 1700s, excuse me, 1700 with modernism and the enlightenment i think the church swallowed the blue pill if you ever understand mm-hmm. the matrix the blue pill puts him back to sleep and the church swallows the blue pill and gets segregated into this sacred box and um abandons respectfully abandons not all the church but i'm talking about the dominant expression mm-hmm. i think what we're seeing now is the, the the reshift back. I think we're being reset onto these, what is kingship and priesthood ministry? Priesthood, our, our ministry to God, our ministry connecting uh, other people to God, that's priesthood. Kingship is the is the, 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 the ambassadorship and the manifesting of God's rule and reign, his power, his principles, his purposes, through our lives into the spheres in which we're called business, yeah. uh, our workplace, you know, every sphere. Um, that, that to me is part of this reset and part of, to be truthful, I think it's one of the reasons why, you know, one of the biggest challenges on the body of Christ today or the last couple of years with COVID has been that we've been locked out of services. 
Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's a gift in that we've been so overcompensating through mm. services and conferences and yeah. we've been busy doing that and haven't been as busy or as focused as in equipping the saints and, in, and empowering the saints to be effective in their kingship ministries, which I really believe is, is, is any, of, any discussion on church leadership that mm -hmm. does not lead to the equipping of the saints yeah. is an irrelevant discussion. Ephesians 4, after you've got all the fivefold yeah. for the equipping of the saints, for yeah. the work of the ministry, right. instead of doing the work of the ministry to the saints, which has been sure. most of the pattern um, for the last you know 30 years. It's why we have celebrity Christianity rather than uh, kingship saints. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, the, the, the gospel is, um, I love when Paul talks about that in, in second Corinthians five, and he's talking about, as you mentioned, being ambassadors, or we have this ministry of reconciliation. And he says in verse number 18, all things are of God. Mm. First thing he says, then he says, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ Okay, and then what has he done after that? He's given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God right. was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and Jewish understanding, Hebraic Jewish thought is that the earth belongs to God. You know, when Jesus, right. Jesus talked about the restoration of all things, he, he spoke about not only the resurrection of the saints, but the regeneration of the earth and so on. Yes, and, yes. and God is uh, the kingdom. As, as we know, we, we so often quote it when Jesus told us to pray, his kingdom would come and will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And yet here, the main focus has been for so long is on the weekend experience and you know, go into the the building and have have the you know the service and and uh, then basically people are being certainly inspired by that and even encouraged. But right. there's a there's a massive difference between just being encouraged, um, you know, all to keep going and to hang on, and to actually being equipped. And you know, I had I did an interview um, on. Tuesday night here. And, and one of the things that we were talking about is that place of coming into maturity, the fullness of the stature of Christ. So right. that the whole, all of the saints are being equipped to, to do the work of ministry, but to become like Christ, to do it in Christ, I think is a good way to put it. Um, so I think this is a huge uh, part of what God is trying to do right now. What if, what if we no longer made the weekend services gatherings the centerpiece? <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, what if we? I use this analogy. If you you have a car and you're you're going to go on a journey somewhere, you know what or you purchase a vehicle, I mean, you go to a, a service station, you go to, to, you know, to top up with fuel, but that in itself isn't the reason. Can you imagine if, if you had a car right, and right, you, yeah, you just yeah. drove to the, to the petrol station, as you say, in Australia, 
top yeah. it up with fuel, and then go and park it back in the garage. I mean, right. <laughs> I mean that's absurd. So the church is being challenged, and, and you mentioned right. there's that false dichotomy between the secular and the religious or yeah, uh, the, yeah. the world and, and the church and so on. Um, what, what, is, what is the new church going to look like in the sense of not church as, as I mean, the people of God, you know? On, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think church is such a tragic word, you yeah, know, um, you know, without getting into the semantics of it, you know, it's a, yeah. it's a word that was imposed into the King James Version of the Bible and doesn't actually, the, the right word is ecclesia. And, right. and you know, there's been a, a great tragedy in that because if we all, if we never understood, if we never heard the word church right, and, and we had to operate under just every time, understand mm. what it's, it's written, ecclesia, we would understand mm. governing, that's a governing, but it's a governmental body. You know, Jesus didn't come to build a religion. He mm -hmm. came to uh, he came to establish his kingdom. That's mm -hmm. very different paradigms because to establish a religion, then you have all the paraphernalia and the structures around a religion. <laughs> but right. when you understand that that what Jesus brought us into was his kingdom and made us governing ambassadors, then the work of a an ambassador just like you know your analogy with a car an ambassador isn't just a, a trophy a trophy person that sits in a sits in a building an ambassador right. has a work and that ambassador's work is to um, establish um, the culture and the principles and the blessings as it were of the kingdom that he represents or she represents into wherever they are and um, that's a I mean, that's what ministry is. That's that's why ministry can never be can never be owned by um, you know congregational leaders. It, it can't. The, the 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 greater ministry of Christ is through the saints. It, it I just not not because I'm trying to downplay the role of a pastor or a teacher or anything like that, but there's just more of the saints. Then there are just church leaders, you know, ninety-seven uh, percent more. You know, yeah. out of every hundred, three might be a congregational leader, and you've got right. ninety-seven of the saints. And right. our problem is, is listen, I'm a as an organizational uh, consultant. Here's here's my problem: if I walked into an organization and I saw that they were taking ninety percent of their resources of the company yeah. Yeah. and putting it into three percent of their workforce and ignoring the 97 percent of their workforce and mm. almost by default uh that 97 percent of the workforce has no idea what they're supposed to do so they they're just shuffling papers on a desk right but no one's doing anything not because they don't want to they just don't have any orders no one's speaking right. to them because all the attention is on the three percent let's call them the executives for the sake of this analogy right i'm telling you that's a recipe for bankruptcy, right? <laughs> right. That's yeah. a recipe for bankruptcy in that organization. And yet, Absolutely. and yet, that is the dominant operating system has been the dominant operating system of the body of Christ for close to three hundred years. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I'm not trying to boohoo the body of Christ because we have achieved, even with that de defunct system, we've achieved so much, and yet there's right. so much to do. Could you imagine, Glenn? 
in this shift, as, as things begin to change, as our understanding of ministry begins to broaden, as we begin to realize that the saints are, are, are really being awakened and uh, to, the, to the reality of the kingdom rather than the reality of their religious lives, which, do you know, I mean, the, the thought of private religion, do you know where that came from? It came from one of the Enlightenment philosophers in the 1700s. Okay. That, 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 that bill of goods, that religion should be kept private and, and at home and yeah. in church and not brought into the public sphere was championed by several of the Enlightenment philosophers in the 1700s and embraced by what was up to that point Christian Europe. Mm. You know, now, yeah. now the, the Americans had an advantage because when the, uh, when the reformers, uh, when the reformed guys came, they had a thing called the Christian work ethic. And so at least for them, they, they kind of stayed out of that separation for a while, but mm. not for too long, because after about 100, 150 years, certainly in the 1800s in the States, they also began to separate, as did the rest then of the Western world, um, you know, sacred and secular, all, all that sort of stuff. So, I mean, the other paradigm that's got to be really broken down, which is what we're talking about here, is, um, you know, the clergy-laity divide, right. you know. That all of a sudden, God is interested in you know just the these supermen and superwomen are uh, called the clergy, and the laity are really the B grade saints that that their lives are just to prop up, uh-huh. uh, as it were the the clergy. That 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 is a misunderstanding. It's a reversal of um, of what of what the ministry of the fivefold is actually for. Ministry of the fivefold is never never to take from the saints so that they can do the work of the ministry, but right. to pour themselves out dynamically into the saints, the gracings that they, the gracings of the Christos that they carry, right. apostolic, prophetic, you know, and equip the saints so that they can be effective as school teachers, as politicians and all the rest, you know, like right. this is an important, an important reality. I, I, I think if I, if I was going to just sort of unpack a, prophetic you know capture of where are we um one of yeah. the things i would go to i would i would go to matthew 25 matthew 25 particularly in verse one jesus talks about we all know the, the parable of the wise and foolish virgins right i actually see that as a, a prophetic overlay of the next decade of where we are and mm. um because it's interesting because it says that there was a delay by the bridegroom, and it says they all slept. And I think that there is a, um, I think there is a, a global sleep, mm. a, a, you know, call it a global Sabbath. Uh, there, there, there is absolutely a slowdown mm. uh, of certain aspects. And um, it's mm. interesting because all the virgins went to sleep, right. but two, there were two different reactions that happened when, the bride, when, the, when they heard the bridegroom the sound of the bridegroom. You've got to remove this parable prophetically at this point. We're not talking about the second coming of Jesus Christ. Right. So you've got to remove that. What you've got to see is you've got to see this parable as a season of transition. In the season of transition, all get put to sleep, right? But but they're, but at on the other side of the transition, as there's time to awaken and engage dynamically into the new thing, five wake up empty and five wake up with oil 
the five wake up with oil are able to join the bridegroom and 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 operate the other five that wake up empty yeah have to go back now and they actually they miss out on the moment yeah. i think that's a prophetic picture right yeah. now of what's going to happen as we emerge in 2030 2031 out of this massive season of disruption uh-huh. there's 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 some of the church that's going to wake up with oil or come forward with oil new oil um, yeah, um going to come with uh with ability to engage with the new innovations i mean the technology all of that they're actually going to be at the forefront of that yeah and there's going to be then other parts of the church that right. are going to go and go around a mountain again and yeah. miss out glenn on what i really believe is uh the, the new day, the, I'm telling you, the new expression. We are going to see the kingdom uh, so run. Uh, I, I have great expectation. Uh, I actually believe God is setting up the next 50 to 100 years, uh, hmm. uh, should he tarry, of the church's advance. Uh, I can tell you as a as a organizational guy and as a someone that, that um, is in, connected into the futurist um, dimension of tech, that the next five to 10 years of what is released in tech will set up the next hundred years of how we will operate as a society in the earth technologically, the next five to 10 years from the AI, all of that that's coming through. Wow. Um, It's it's a mirror really of what God is doing in his church. He's setting up the next, I think, 50 to a hundred years of what ministry is going to look like. Yeah. Uh, I know that's a big, that's a big word, but, uh, that's what I'm carrying in my spirit. That's my intercession as a prophet, uh, as a as a prophet with those sort of eyes. I and so my my heart. Whenever I look at the church, I'm like, Are you getting ready? Are you getting ready? Are we ready yeah. here? Are we pivoting? Are we building the substructures uh, now? You know, because yeah. um, we 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 definitely, Glenn. I think we entered this crisis as the body of Christ unprepared. Yeah, um, not not positioned well. And and I, I don't I don't know if we can we can't change that. Let me just say this: we can't change that today mm-hmm. for this crisis. Right. But we we can definitely learn and prepare better because this won't be the last shaking. Yeah. Um, yeah. But but will we be prepared better? Will we be positioned better? Will the saints be? Will the church be? Will, will uh, time will tell if we build the systems now? You know. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's so good. And you know what? What is happening in in certain um, parts of the body is there is this um, just it, it just this shifting and moving away from from the systems of the world, the platforms. You know, social media, right. for example, creating all the conservative social media platforms right. now. And unfortunately, and and I understand some of the rationale behind that, but unfortunately what is happening now is we're just basically uh, in reinforcing that whole yeah. uh, divide, yeah. you know, the, the secular rather than being the salt that is in the earth and, and influencing. And, and my experience has right. been, and I'm, I dialogue and I interface with people that are involved in, in uh, you know, tech on a, a huge level, yeah, technology, yeah. and um, they're not believers, but they respect me in the sense right. that you know what I'm doing, and they've they've allowed me access to to technology and so forth. 
and uh, I'm not being persecuted by them per se, contrary Mm -hmm. to what people think. Um, Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, because, because Jesus said his kingdom is not of this world. And, and, and so when we talk about the kingdom of God, obviously Daniel clearly showed he has a kingdom. It's not of this world. It's greater than all the kingdoms of the world. And will eventually the kingdoms of the world will become the kingdoms of God and, and of Christ. So when we see this huge shift that is happening, starting to happen, we, yeah. we have people that are hanging on leaders to, you know, I'm just trying to keep this thing you know, and, and just hold it and keep it intact. So once we get out of this, you know, I've got something, I've, I've preserved something. Um, one of the things that we're doing, and, and I'm saying this to those who are watching this video and David, I'd love for you to speak into this is we're creating an online global kingdom hub, which a website at this point, but there's a lot of other elements to that. Um, where people can come from around the globe, get training and resources like this interview tonight. We, we're going, we hope to put that in there. People can come and they can listen to those who are on the forefront, really, and, and the leading edge of, of where we're going uh, yeah. and, and, uh, and to connect and have relationships, to be discipled and, and to be equipped and, and to have, you know, prophetically uh, to interface so we, we understand where we're going. Rather than local um, congregations that that are struggling in many ways, but now we can come together. We still have those gatherings, whether yep. they're home churches or you're in a building or wherever they may be, sure. a cafe. Sure. Have the gatherings, pray together. You know, go out, minister to people, get them filled with the Holy Spirit, pray for this. You know, have the sick healed. We need to demonstrate the power of the kingdom, but. There has to be a coming together for training and equipping that is kingdom oriented and and is really in response to Jesus commission to make disciples of the nations. And and as you mentioned, you know, you're let's say a person is a school teacher and they see that as their assignment. Right. I mean, before um, it was kind of like. Well, I work and I do this job and I'm so glad when the weekend comes and I can be, right. be really spiritual, right? <laughs> yes, that's right. That's right. Yeah. 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 And one of the, one other comment and I'd love for you to just just uh, run with this in in the direction the Lord would have you in is um I talk with pastors in countries um some of them very poor countries in the natural, right. you know, where right. And these guys, they don't want to work, these pastors. They want right. to be in full-time ministry, pastor their church. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. the crazy thing is a lot of them are struggling. And, and um, you know, we get the, the emails, we get the messages on Facebook. Can you help me? And then yeah. I have a relationship yeah. with some of them. And it's like, well, why, why don't you do this? Well, because God's called me to ministry. And if I go and I work... And I do this or I start a business, then, you know, that will take away from my, my focus right. from ministry. That's so right. <laughs> <But> <laughs> yeah. struggling. That, and they can't do ministry. <laughs> no, no, I, I know it's that they were taught that way. 
they have taught their people that way now that that if you if you're a minister uh like a church minister that you and you know you you can't work because that then you're not a real minister to them like they've built a prejudice they they they've kind of built a rod for their own back right. because even if they wanted to glenn um yeah. start say an enterprise to help support that yeah. which would be brilliant i i yeah. mean i'm an entrepreneur i I'm the ultimate guy that, that says, oh, wow, we're going to start businesses. Let's do this. Right. Um, yet the people that even in their small, let's say they have a small church, their people wouldn't, would no longer see them as a real minister. They right. would say, oh, Jim has given up. And uh, because right. they have a sacred secular divide, uh, they, they have a very church-centric reality. They have a meeting reality. It's, it's a massive prejudice. It's, it's a, like in the West, let, let's put it in, in the West. Um, we have a similar bias in the sense that um, most ministry, like you said, most saints would go, I go to work, I endure that, I try and do my best there, try and be witness for Jesus. Um, but I'm really looking forward to the prayer meeting or the Sunday or the weekend where I can really believe God to break through, to yes. break through yeah. uh, and do something amazing. And, uh, and I maybe even... I might be able, you know, I can support the the work of the ministry by bringing in my tithe or my offering, that right. sort of thing, so that I can really help those that are doing the real ministry. Right. Yeah. But but actually, what a what a tragedy to think that way. Um, you know, what what if I would say, you know, a lot of people go on Sunday. Let's say they go, oh man, I can't wait to get to church because uh, you know God's going to turn up. Could you yeah. imagine having that same excitement coming to work on Monday? Right. Yeah. Could you imagine you're about to work walk into your public school, right? That you know, like legally, you're not allowed to proselytize or anything else. Yeah. But could you imagine sitting in the car park as a school teacher, going, "God, I I don't know what you're going to do today, but these kids in the classroom, yeah. the, the other teachers that I'm going to meet in the lunchroom, the interactions I'm going." I wonder, wow, would you, I wonder if you've got a word of wisdom, word of knowledge. I, I wonder if there's going to be an opportunity for me to just come into someone's story, another teacher's story, and have an opportunity to speak a blessing over them in a way that's going to release a miracle. I, I wonder if, if you're going to give me an interaction with a student where you're going to give me literally a word of knowledge or a prophetic word that I'm going to be able to say to them in such a way that they can receive it, and I don't get fired, by the way, but in a way that 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 opens their eyes, that they would know that you're real. I mean, could you imagine having that expectation? Right. <laughs> oh, that yeah. how would that posture you? Yeah. How does that change your day? Like yeah. how you would go about? I mean, yeah, that would be amazing. That that is going to be amazing. I'm not going to say that would be. I know people that live like that. I know entrepreneurs yeah. that wake up uh, and saying, saying uh, that are, are absolutely sold out to the kingdom. They understand finance and economics. Um, there, there's actually an, a revolution here, a revelation uh, of kingdom economics. Uh, it's actually called the revelation of the commonwealth, the commonwealth of the kingdom, which basically means this. None of the money, not just your 10%, none of your money is yours. Hmm. Now, the moment you you are a king and a priest and an ambassador of the kingdom, hmm. not one cent that is in your pocket, in your bank account is yours. Hmm. It is actually 
part of the commonwealth of the kingdom and under the command of the king. Most people cannot tap into supernatural dynamics with their, with their economies because, oh, sorry, with their, their money, their finance in the kingdom because they're operating under Babylonian rule, mm. <laughs> Babylonian rules for how they steward yeah. kingdom wealth. Yeah. I mean, that's, we could do a whole other program on that. That's, that's um, a revelation. Well, we'll have to do that for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no. So good. And, you know, the other thing, it's true. Like, for example, I have a, a friend. Uh, I remember this story. It was several years ago. We had been doing a training right. class on uh, ministering. Everywhere you go, there's opportunity to okay. minister. So you find someone, right? And you're talking with them and that you might get a word of knowledge. Oh, you have a problem in your left shoulder, you know, and sure. you know, fell off a horse, uh, my left shoulder, and you pray for that person and they're healed. So that's what we were doing in equipping the whole church that we were pastoring. And so the guy, they, they're at, in the workplace and they're around the water cooler just talking. And yep. Yep. it's like this guy's complaining about pain and the guy just reaches over and prays for him and the guy gets instantly healed, right? Of course, that opened the yeah. door to share yep. the gospel. So so what, what about this? Here's a scenario I've encountered. We we are seeing now um, more and more people working weekends. Um, yeah. Uh, like, for example, one country that I, I've done a lot of ministry in, there are, are like a huge part of the segment of society that um, they're just not able to go to the, the yep. gathering on Sunday because they work and yep. there's nothing available like. So people are going, well, I don't have, I can't go to quote church because you know what, I'm working or whatever. Right. And, and uh, how do we minister to those people? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, definitely the, um, yeah. You know, everyone comes to church on Sunday morning and even uh, church Sunday morning and Bible study Wednesday night, you know, and they're the two entry points. I mean, you know we've got to we've got to be real about it a number of things let me just put my my hat on here that is um church church pastor you know okay. first of all first of all um most people are not getting their primary sermon or message from what i share on a sunday morning right okay. they're listening to uh they're on youtube you know the ones that are hungry right. for the word and preaching yeah. man they're listening to the best of the best you know right. so so any any notion that just says the only sermon that the people are listening to is the one that I'm giving Sunday morning, that's only for those that are in famine mentality that I, you know, I haven't taught well, uh, you know, so that's the first thing. I think the other thing is this, that um, we need to create dynamic opportunities for, 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 for the, the, there's three things, dominant things that need to happen, why, why, why the saints should gather, gather, excuse me. That is the engagement of the sacraments of communion, like communion. Sure. Uh, I, I think there's going to be a, a revelation or a reawakening to communion, even amongst us in the Protestant space. Mm. I think, I think um, the notion that communion is just remembrance needs to be upgraded. Okay. I think the kingdom revelation uh, invites that communion is a, a, a not only a communing together with one another as we receive the bread and the wine, but literally God somehow manifests himself in a dynamic in that moment that is uh, peculiar. 
let me just say it that way. That would be the first one. The second one is this, that corporate worship um, yeah. actually must shift. The focus of most contemporary corporate worship has been the saint, right? The saint. God, yeah. I'm here. I'm loving you. You're loving right. me. You're, you know, and right. um, when did, I mean, how did that happen? <laughs> you know, worship, corporate worship was the ecclesia, the governing body of, 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 the, of the saints coming together and creating or, or, or uh, coming into the same atmosphere that lives in the throne of God mm. right now, around the throne of God, and, mm. and literally uh, engaging in corporate worship till the manifestation of the throne of God is manifest in our midst. And at that point, mm. we come into the third realm of why we should gather together, which is intercession. Mm -hmm. At that point, we come into establishing apostolic prayers and decrees. We begin right. to configure the atmosphere of the region that yeah. we're assigned to, of the, of the mandates that God places in the midst. That's what the gathering is supposed to be about. Um, should we bring the word? Of course, the word in the midst of that, but the word needs to be an apostolic word. It needs to come out of the, the apostolic dimension with a prophetic right alongside it. Like That's why Paul says, when you gather two or three prophets, come on, most Pentecostal churches won't allow any prophetic ministry when they're together because it's like, well, no, we're preaching the word. I'm like, right. of course you're going to preach the word, right. but you have to have, the, at least the minister himself has to bring the prophetic, right. the now word, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. come on. Uh, some of these things, Glenn, we're going to have to rediscover how to have these things to operate, right. um, not just in the box of Sunday setting. Why, why can't we do communion? Respectfully, why can't we do communion? Um, why can't a group of kingdom entrepreneurs do communion in a boardroom on a Tuesday morning at 7 o'clock, 7 a.m. before yeah. that business starts or before they go to their enterprises? Why can't sure. they? We do that. We do that. We we, we actually brilliant. whenever we, we, we do that uh, often. Um, why why can't those things happen in settings that don't have to have a steeple on them? I I believe yeah. they do. Uh, and the fivefold ministry, the fivefold ministry isn't supposed to just. We always say the fivefold is all about planning churches. <laughs> that, nowhere in the Bible does it say that. The fivefold, right. the operation of the fivefold, particularly the apostles and prophets, is to release kingdom their yeah. job is to release kingdom in 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 regions and yeah. as you release kingdom then you will establish ecclesia you'll establish smaller groups to right. capture the outbreak of the kingdom which is people yeah. getting saved healed delivered and set free you know and then they need to be discipled so yeah oh man yeah. i what an exactly. what a challenging and exciting time we're in glenn for sure yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when when Jesus told us to go to all the nations and make disciples of them to to all the ethnic groups is what he was saying. And, yeah. you know, you look at that not only in the context of the various ethnic groups around the world, but also the the subculture, you know, Gen Gen Z, less than four percent right. uh, in America. of Gen Z professes to be mm. Christian now. So. Tragic. So it's yeah, and so that's that's a an unreached people group, so to speak. Right. And so so we have all of this before us, but it's not just 
the clergy, the ministers, and we throw and completely, I've, I'm really very careful now, even the language that I use, but um, we, we empower the, the entire uh, body of believers to, yeah. to do ministry. And if we did that and we, and each, each believer really became a disciple who actually discipled others, you know, I did the math recently on that with all of the people, 7.84 billion people in the world right now. If we had 100,000 churches would win one person to Christ. Okay. A week. Okay. Okay. At the end of the year, you know, you, you've got five, what is that? Five, five million, 200,000 by the time it would take us literally hundreds, over a thousand years to win the world to Christ that way. Right. Uh, okay. But if every person um, would would make a disciple, you know, just one person okay. makes a disciple. At the end of the year, there's two. Then, then the new disciple and yourself, you do that again. You replicate it. Oh, okay. So by you know, by before you you've reached about year thirty three, and you've already had over eight billion people. And so this is what we need to do because we need to fulfill this commission of seeing people. And, and that is obviously when we talk about discipleship, oh my gosh, that isn't just teaching them, you know, systematic theology or you you need to go, you need, I mean, becoming like Christ and and walking like Jesus did, understanding the kingdom, learning how to live in the kingdom and, and so on. There's so much more. So, So much. I think I think that's where we're headed. Um, I know my particular uh, calling is is really to to see the saints equipped. That's the focus. You know, we connect, equip, and send. That's the three things: yeah. connecting, bringing together with the right people. Because you need an infusion of grace that comes from not just an apostle but a prophet as well. You yeah. know, in order to experience that. And, and then, of course, seeing people fully equipped to become like Christ, to know who they are, to, to minister and be effective in the world in whatever yeah. uh, aspect. So uh, someone just made a comment here, David. I'd love to go back to church, but I can't find a true assembly of pure Bible-studying born-again Christians. The wisdom and principles I read in studying the Bible seems to repel most. Um, now, we we are here dealing with with the reality that nowadays on this global uh you know the, we live in a, in not only do we have a global economy but the society and we've got all of these opportunities to connect and so i want to just say to the person who's made this comment is i want to invite you you can connect with us in our kingdom community we do training equipping we have fellowship and uh, it's it's online but where, what about um, taking the kingdom? Let's just kind of close down our conversation with sure. this, this thesis here. Taking the kingdom into the world um, and, and actually being, you know, the, the, the ecclesia of God in different places. Um, we've talked about that, but practically speaking, you yeah. What's that? Obviously, you're seeing that in different places in the marketplace. Yeah. But what's that going to look like? Do you think in the next few years, in terms of 
how how we're going to facilitate that and and um, yeah you know the manifestation of that yeah i mean i jesus says to the pharisees um you're looking for the kingdom uh in all these external realities they were looking for the kingdom in the sense they were watching how favorable rome was to their political agenda you know how how much caesar was giving favor to the jewish cause and right. and uh, they and then they were thinking well even if caesar doesn't get on with it then we'll see a cataclysmic event where elijah will return on a white horse hmm. who will be the messiah and you know all this sort of stuff right. and jesus he, jesus brings a real contrast and he says to them because you're looking for those type of signs overtly he says you're actually the kingdom is in front of you and you're missing it right because um, he jesus is like i I carry the kingdom inside of me and and you, wow. and because you're looking at these things you're actually missing it. I think that's a it's a wonderful place to start because the reality is this how is the kingdom brought forward in a practical sense? Well, the reality is it must first begin inside of our hearts and um most of us including myself are more religiously prejudiced than we 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 understand. We have more blind, more religious blind spots. So the first prayer I ever pray is God let your kingdom come in me like like expel all the religious charade that are my blind spots expel that in me so that the kingdom can manifest in my life transforming me first that that no workplace no business no region no nation is transformed from the top down sort of way mm. it has to start from within the epicenter of the sons and daughters of God, right? Go. We we really need to figure out what it means that we are the temple of God. You know. Uh, look, I sometimes when I'm mentoring people in the marketplace, I say, "Do you realize that when you walk in the room, God walks in the room? When you walk in a room, God walks in a room. When you right. work walk in a in a in a workplace, God walks in that workplace. When you walk in your business, God walks into that business. That has to have consequence." it must have repercussions the fruits of the spirit are always uh put towards a sunday school message but do you know that the fruits of the spirit is the personality of the holy spirit inside of you yeah. that he wants to manifest yeah the fruit of the spirit isn't just a nice let's be nice let's be peace yeah. like or let's be joyous it's literally holy spirit saying i want to manifest my personality infused through your tongue and your body into the lives of anyone that comes in contact with you. Yeah. So when they come in contact with you, they come in contact with the living God. Yeah. Imagine the implications that that has Glen to the workplace. All of a sudden, you know, when people tell me, "Oh, but you don't understand my workplace, it's so hard. Uh they hate Christians there. It's yeah. so uh it's so anti-Christ, you know. I think there's right. and some people might go, "Oh, I think there's a principality that's ruling my workplace." <laughs> and I say to them, that's really good news and they go well, yeah. what do you mean and i say to them yeah because you when you go there you become because you carry god you become the dominant principality amen all of a sudden <laughs> that atmosphere is now subject to change because the dominant principality is the one that binds the other right god in you is the dominant principality so yeah. your workplace might have backbiting and it might have a a culture of um mistrust good news you're there and you get to by the power of god the wisdom of god and the prophetic unction of the holy spirit 
transform that operating dynamic through yeah. the power of God. That's that's how it manifests itself. All of a sudden, you know, I've got business people, kingdom business people that don't just see their employees as, you know, cogs on a wheel. They see them as actually assigned to them for discipleship, whether that is pre-evangelism, pre-evangelism or yeah. post-evangelism. So a lot of the training that many of my, the entrepreneurs that I coach do, a lot of the business training that they do for their employees, which has application to their business, also cultures, listen to this, cultures their employees towards the kingdom, yeah. pre-evangelism. Like totally. breaks down breaks down all these molds. And, I mean, under the banners of emotional intelligence, leadership principles in the workplace, sales, you know, all of that. But actually yeah. it's, king, it's, it's kingdom. They just strip the scriptures out. They're literally discipling. They're yeah. discipling these people. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean that all their workers are going to come to Christ. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? And some might even be it's still antagonistic for whatever reason. Um, right. that, that's still on them. They're not, it's not a condition that they work with them that they get saved, by the way. Yeah. But, you, sure. you, but you do you understand, because they, they don't see, as a business person, they don't see my assignment is just to give to the building fund and to sit at church and be a good Christian on a Sunday. Right. They understand I have an ambassadorship role as the boss of my workplace, let's say, mm -hmm. and anyone that comes from customers to employees, that's someone that God has placed. That's my mission, my ministry assignment. Um, you know, I, I, Glenn, we, I mean, th this has implications at every level in yeah. every way. Yeah. You know? uh, so powerful. Yeah. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. And, you know, when I travel and I go and I speak in different cities and nations at times, yep. uh, sometimes I, I open up by saying, you know, when I was flying into your city the other day, um, yep. I was just really discerning and sensing what the governing spirit is here, you know, the dominant spirit. And, and everybody looks at me and I said, yeah, you know, it's the Holy Spirit. And, <laughs> and, and, and they're like, yes, and then, yes. you know, we're called to exercise dominion we're called to bring change wow. and shift so and wow. we, that's our calling and so it's so yeah. true and we get yeah. we get caught up on on binding things you know I, I preached a message several years ago and and i believe in prayer i i i, I believe in prayer and and i'm not just talking about just saying some prayers i mean there's a place for deep intercession and absolutely, absolutely. but but you know the lord just showed me he said there's it's we you need to come out of the closet and there's a lot of people are locked into the prayer closet and they're just praying about things that are only going to be changed through um apostolic declarations through through going in right. and releasing the power of the kingdom so to speak and as you said in the marketplace what discipling people as you said, pre-evangelism, absolutely oh, man. discipling people into the kingdom. We had a whole session about that last month. So wow, fantastic! I always think, yeah, prayer must lead to must lead to boots on the ground. Like yeah. it, it just it just must. And yeah. um, that's been one of the great challenges of much of our intercession. It's not that it's wasted, but it's yeah. stored in. You know, Revelation talks about it's stalled as incense. And the reason that it can't be tipped isn't because God doesn't want to tip it because boots on the ground, who's actually then going to actualize these prayers to bring the kingdom or take the kingdom 
with the tailwind of this intercession, uh, you know, into the spheres, into the realities of, of you know, the outworking of it. We, we need the practitioners. And that's really, I believe, Glenn, one of the things that both the apostolic and the prophetic dimensions will restore as a dominant operating paradigm in the church. This is one of the things we're going to see happen. Awesome. So good. Mm. Well, hey, why don't we just stand right there? Because that was beautiful. Uh, that's a cliffhanger right there. <laughs> yeah, that means you have right. to come back for another interview. So love to, um, love to. I'll always enjoy uh, dialoguing with you and having you on the program, David. So good. Thank you. I know people have been blessed by this. And we're going to push this out and get this message out right. because the world needs to hear it. Thank you so much for your time. Um, we appreciate you praying for you guys over there in Australia as well. Yeah. And uh, yeah, look forward you. to seeing you again. Um, so you have a good day. I know you're just starting off over there. It's Here still we are. early. All right. Bless yeah. you, my friend. Bless you. Thanks, Thank guys. You. Thanks. Bye-bye. Well, hey, everybody. Well, what an incredible interview with David Balestri. Man, you need to check him out. Just Google his name. He's on social media. So much you can learn from David and connect with him. Um, love his perspective for the kingdom and his heart to see the apostolic and prophetic really uh, emerge to be able to facilitate God's purpose and plan. Thank you guys so much for being part of the Kingdom Community broadcast or podcast, whether you're listening on, on audio or you know, you're watching the video, the live, the or or on demand. Guys, check out our website, our new kingdom community.global website. Guys, it's a resource, a kingdom resource for teaching, training, equipping. We also have a platform to help you get your uh, message, your kingdom message out to the world. Just head over to kingdomcommunity.global and click on membership, and you can learn more about how you can connect with us. We appreciate you guys, and uh, we love you. Look forward to seeing you next time. Man, we've got some great interviews coming up, so just watch this spot, and uh, uh, let's see what, what the Lord's doing. Love to hear your comments regarding the broadcast. How did it minister to you? Um, what were some of the aha moments in this broadcast? And also, if you would go ahead and hit the share button and get this uh, program disseminated across the social media platforms. God bless you guys. See you next time on the Kingdom Community Broadcast. Glenn Blakeney is my name. Blessings. Talk to you later. Thanks for tuning in to the Kingdom Community Podcast. To learn more about us, including how to connect with our Kingdom Community, please visit our website, kingdomcommunity.global. If you're enjoying this show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts so other listeners like you can be encouraged. We really appreciate that effort, and we hope you will join us again in the next episode of the Kingdom Community Podcast.